questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And if you want to listen to all of tonight's interview and every single interview we have ever done, you know what to do by now. Just click on this subscribe button of our website, subscribe, and get your login immediately. And again, we now have additional options other than PayPal. I know some of you don't like PayPal, so we have Stripe, another option that I think you'll enjoy. It does the same thing, but it's a, a new offering, and it's very reputable. So click on the subscribe button on our website if you don't like PayPal, and this is another option that you can use for payments. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback from me, I always love to hear from you. The Legend of Atlantis is one of the most intriguing mysteries of all time, disproving many well-known Atlantis theories and providing a new hypothesis, the evidence for which continues to build. Tonight's guest shows that what Plato recounts is the memory of a major cataclysm at the end of the last ice age, 13,000 years ago, when a comet devastated the island of Cuba and submerged part of the Bahamian landmass in the Caribbean. Tonight, we will piece together the final days of Atlantis and the wildfires, earthquakes, tsunamis, days of darkness, and advancement of ice sheets that followed the ancient comet's impact and will establish not only that Atlantis did indeed exist, but also that remnants of it survive today, most obviously in Cuba, Atlantis's original central island. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is the author of many books, including Atlantis in the Caribbean and The Comet That Changed the World. He is none other than Andrew Collins, who has been investigating the idea of advanced civilizations in prehistory since 1979. His website is andrewcollins.com, and he joins us directly from Essex, England. Hello, Andrew, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? Good day to you, Mel. It's uh, mid-evening here in England, uh, slightly earlier in your own country, uh, but uh, I'm ready for a good discussion on a fascinating subject. Absolutely. Always, always a pleasure to have you on. First of all, Atlantis is one of those topics that always fascinates me. I've had a few people with different theories. Some say that it's in the Pacific. Some say it's in, you know, west of of the the uh, uh, of, of of the United Kingdom. But I always, always felt that Atlantis was somewhere in the middle of the Caribbean. And when your publisher sent your book, I said, "Aha! So here's somebody who." is close to what I'm thinking. So how did you arrive to the conclusion that Atlantis was and is underwater in the Caribbean? Well, it's a, an interesting story because um, a few years ago, uh, my publisher asked me if I would do a book on Atlantis. And um, I said, yes, of course I will. And uh, first, I, I thought that Atlantis was probably in the area of Antarctica, uh, and the reason I say that is that there have been some good books out by the likes of Graham Hancock, Rosen Rand Flemath, 
um, and you know various other people that had suggested that there may have been some kind of lost civilization there. Um, so that was the premise of the book. But what I did was I got all of Plato's pages from the two books that he actually refers to Atlantis, which is the Timaeus and the Critias, which were written approximately around 350 BC. And I pasted them all around the walls of my kitchen. And, you know, each one was blown up to um, A3 size, um, which is sort of you know, double US letter, basically. And every day I would, you know, um, consult them and I would, you know, read them as I was eating and preparing food and whatever, just so I knew absolutely everything that Plato had to say. And what I began to realize is that, that there was no way that Atlantis could be in the area of the, uh, of the Antarctica because it, he says very specific things about where it is placed. I mean, firstly, he talks about it existing beyond something that he refers to as the Atlantic Sea. Now, we would refer to this today as the Atlantic Ocean. Um, however, in the past, the Atlantic Sea was a very specific area. It was the area that was to the west of a landmark which um, ancient mariners would encounter on the African coast before they ventured into the deep sea. And, th and this landmark was Mount Atlas, and it was a large mountain um, often enshrouded with mist, which local legend suggested was the god um, Atlas carrying the, the globe of the world up, upon his back. Um, and so the actual area of sea in front of that became known as the Atlantic Sea. And this stretched as obviously as far as the eye could see towards various islands that were talked about during the age of Plato. And one of these sets of islands were known as the Hesperides. Now, these were three large islands that various um, ancient commentators um, uh, alluded to. And they said that they existed um, in an area of the, of the ocean that was beyond something that was referred to as the, the Sea of Seaweed, um, which was also synonymous with something called um, the Shallow Sea or um, the, the, the Mud Shoals. Um, and there was a, there's a lot of enigmatic statement here, which we'll come back to. But basically what he says is that the Atlantic Island, that's what he calls it, the Atlantic Island. It's only in the second of the books he actually calls it Atlantis. Um, you could be you could use this um, as uh, along with a series of other smaller islands to reach what he refers to as the opposite continent. And he uses this term on at least two, two occasions. And he's clearly referring to the American continent, North America, Central America and, and obviously South America. And this is exactly what the ancient mariners would do to reach the American continent. They would go out into the deep Atlantic following the, the, the winds, the trade winds and the different ocean currents. And these would pull them from the area of the, uh, the, the Canary Islands right the way across to the, 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 the lesser Antilles um, and also obviously the greater Antilles, which are the three main Caribbean islands of Cuba, Hispaniola and Puerto Rico. And, also, obviously, the Bahamas themselves. I mean, you know, the, the, the most southern of those uh, is almost within sight of Cuba. Um, and, of course, they stretch northwards to the area of Bimini, 
which is obviously adjacent to Fort Lauderdale and you know the northern part of um, of of Florida. Um, so clear, very clearly, Plato's talking about this area, and we can confirm this even more by identifying this this sea of seaweed, because quite clearly, this is the Sargasso Sea, um, which is a massive area that stretches from the Mid Atlantic virtually up to the edge of northern um, Bahamas. Um, and it's it just covered. It's a very it, it's, it's a very steel sea and it's covered in this seaweed and it seems to take forever to cross it. Huge, great fish swim about in it, you know, tuna and things like this. And it's very clear that mariners were aware of this, certainly in, Plato, in Plato's age. Um, but be, but we can also identify that the mud shoals or the shallow sea, this is almost certainly the very shallow waters around the Bahamas. This is the only real area where you find this. Uh, and of course, these were caused because the great Bahaman landmass, which had previously been a, a huge, um, you know, sort of mini continent in its own right, um, sank beneath the waters at the end of the last ice age due to the fact that the waters were rising after the end of the, you know, the, 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 the ice melt waters were coming down from places like, you know, the, the Ohio River uh, and obviously other major rivers of, of North America and, of course, other parts of the world. And the waters were rising up very quickly. Um, and we'll come on to why in a, in a moment. But and they drowned low lying regions of the Bahamas and the Caribbean leaving really what you have today. I mean, it, it was a process that at some times was very fast and at other times very slow and didn't actually end probably until around two to 3,000 BC, as late as that. But that isn't the main cause of any kind of cataclysm or destruction because we're talking about something much earlier, something which Plato himself seems to have understood and seems to have had knowledge of. And as to where he gets this knowledge, that, that's, that's a bigger challenge, which we'll come on to. And that's the fact that almost certainly around 13,000 years ago, there was a massive comet impact, something that affected the entire world, something that brought a period of darkness, brought mass floods around the world, wildfires that raged not for, for just a few years, but perhaps on and off for several hundred years. Um, the period of darkness caused the temperature to drop dramatically, and this triggered a mini ice age, which the scientists referred to as the Younger Dryas event. And this lasted approximately from 10,800 BC right the way down to about 9,600 BC. And it ended almost as quickly as it came on, possibly even with another catastrophic event, which scientists are only now beginning to try and get to grips with. And of course, it's 9,600 BC that Plato tells us that Atlantis sank. Um, and we, he says it was destroyed in one terrible day and night of earthquakes and floods by the god Zeus. After the Atlantean peoples became too haughty, they became too big for their boats. Um, they started invading other nations. They started going even inside the, the Mediterranean, according to Plato, um, attacking people, you know, the different cultures and, and societies. And Zeus decided he'd had enough 
and he just struck them, obviously, with one of his firebolts, uh, thunderbolts, and that was the end of that. I mean, that's obviously the myth. I mean, the, the actual you know, core legend behind it is something let's, that, that we'll, we'll talk let's about. Let's dissect this for a moment, because this is interesting. You say that mariners or sailors were aware of this area during Plato's time. Are you saying the Greeks and perhaps other cultures were sailing to this side of the world prior to Columbus? And when we say Zeus, could we assume they were talking about their version of today's God? Um, yeah, not yes and no. Um, let's 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 break that down for a second. I mean, firstly, yes, there's absolutely powerful evidence to suggest that transoceanic contact was taking place. Uh, certainly during Plato's time, which is 350 BC, but arguably much, much earlier, 1000 BC, perhaps even 2000 BC, and arguably much earlier. I mean, to start off with, we have all of the incredible, you know, Native American peoples um, that exist on the continent anyway. Um, and many of those have legends about their founders having come f by boat, either from the east or from the west, um, and founding their, you know, their, their earliest tribes, their mm -hmm. earliest clans or whatever. So that's that fact. But it seems as though that the main focus of transoceanic contact between the African continent, the, the European continent and the American continent at an early age was the Phoenicians and the Carthaginians. Now, the Phoenicians uh, were based in what is today the Lebanon, Syria, Uh, Israel, Palestinian territories, you know, the West Bank area, um, and the, oh sorry, the Gaza Strip, not the West Bank, and also um, the Carthaginians who were a, a sister colony um, in the northwest coast of Africa. Um, now, the Phoenicians had various trading outposts also in Spain. Um, and they worked very closely with the indigenous peoples of Spain, who were called the Iberians, because uh, I mean Spain used to be called Iberia. Um, and they almost certainly were reaching, and I mean this is no real uh, controversy, I think, just to say that they probably reached the, the Canaries, they almost certainly reached the Azores, which are in the central uh, Atlantic on the mid-Atlantic rift. But beyond that, they reached the Sargasso Sea. I mean, there are references um, to, you know, some of their early mariners, um, you know, crossing the, the you know, the, the Sea of Seaweed. And that means that they were certainly that far. Um, so, and that's without any evidence when we start looking at the American continent itself, because all throughout the continent, there are incredible pieces of evidence to show that the Phoenicians and the Carthaginians were reaching the eastern shores of the American continent from obviously the area of Newfoundland, you know, to, to New England, um, right the way down to Central America, various countries there, uh, and of course, places like Brazil in South America. Um, and we're talking everything from amphora jars to coins um, to various artifacts to, to stone tablets which with inscriptions. Um, and most importantly, Vessels. Um, there are at least three vessels uh, off of the, the coasts of, of, um, of either Central or South America, which are incredibly controversial because obviously if they do prove that uh, ancient mariners reached 
the Americas long before Columbus, then there'll be riots in the streets, quite literally, <laughs> in various of these countries. I, I kid you not. No, no, I you know, I mean, I mean, um, in the seventies, I think it was the seventies. The whole story's in the book. Um, there was a, a wreck found off of the coast of, of Brazil in the so-called Bay of Jars. Uh, and the reason why it was called the Bay of Jars is because various fishermen or, or divers were diving down and finding these huge amphora jugs. And they were selling them on the local market, you know, getting get a few, you know, whatever the currency is over there. I don't know. Please excuse me for not knowing. And some of these came to the attention of the local museum and they studied them. And they realized that they'd actually come from Africa. Now, and they examined them fully expecting that the crustacean that were actually on them um, had actually uh, come from a Africa themselves. In other words, they'd been in the water off the coast of Africa. Somebody had found them, brought them across to, to Brazil in relatively modern times, and somehow they'd become dumped in the sea. But when they studied them, they found that they were local crustaceans, which meant that they'd been in the, 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 um, in the sea locally for at least 1,500 years. And in fact, I mean, almost certainly you know, from the, the, the style of them, they were at least 2,000 years old, from the very end of the Carthaginian period to the beginning of, of Roman rule in Carthage. And um, the, they called in this worldwide renowned expert for finding wrecks by the name of Robert Marks, uh, and he went to the spot, mounted an expedition. They found not one but two wrecks in the vicinity, or, you know, the the... the, the the, the site scan stoners and whatever suggested that they were there. Uh, and he applied to the Brazilian government for permission to um, to investigate them. And they just flatly turned him down. And once it, it, it got out into the news, there, there, there was literally riots in the streets in Brazil. And, um, you know, because the, the discoverer of Brazil was this guy called was it Cabral, I believe. And um, why the riots? Because we're rewriting well, because, history. Because because. Because it turn, puts everything in turmoil. Right. You know, in other words, everything that was set in stone suddenly isn't. And it's almost like finding out that reality isn't reality and that everything's wobbly. Rewriting history. Um, and and it, it, But it's more than rewriting history. It's rewriting every, every history book. It's, and every um, professor, every uh, scholar that, that's ever talked about it will now be considered to be incorrect wrong you know and people will say well look if you're wrong about that what else are you wrong about and this is the problem that we've got i mean so in other words it will be suppressed wherever it's found i, I quote another story from i think it's um venezuela um of another similar wreck with almost the same thing happening there and in north america of course archaeologists never accept that any pre-columbian artifacts were brought over from the old world they will just not accept it i mean they'll accept that they are old they will accept that they may be earlier than the age of columbus but what they won't accept is how they reached the americas as far as they're concerned well, what they, about they brought over in colonial times and dropped what about uh, some native americans who have uh, generation to generation they have collected these Babylonian cuneiform absolutely, tablets. Absolutely, I mean that's a great story. Actually, I mean basically um, when uh, there was a, there was a battle and. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.